Charm is deceptive, beauty is fleeting. Mm-hmm. But a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. And I think that's something you really, as a man, you really need to write, etch that on your heart and understand that because there's beauty everywhere. We got beautiful now women. Women are beautiful, man, all over the place. But who fears the Lord? Who's going to lead you to a better place? Um, there's beauty everywhere. But can you find a woman with conviction that that lives their life with conviction and follows the Lord like you do? You know, I think that's really the key. What is going on, guys? Dr. Jared Nelson in the house, the podcast, The Better Man, where you can never be perfect, but you can always be better. Today, we have a very, very special guest with us today. Brett Duncan. What's up, dude? Not much. How's it going? Uh, going good. We got a lot of stuff to talk about. Uh, big business tycoon. Yeah. A lot of people don't know this. We got, a, we got a big guy in the house up in here. We got a lot of stuff to talk about. Very excited about that. Uh, long faith journey. Uh, a lot of yeah. stuff in your life and all that. Looking forward to it. So here's what I start out with, man. All right. You're in the gym. Planet Fitness. Yeah. You used to Planet Fitness? Mm-hmm. We'll talk about that some a little bit, too. But you're in the gym chilling, and somebody look, walks by you, and they say, Hey, man, I know you from somewhere. You look familiar. What would you say to them? I work at FedEx, so and I deliver locally, East Gaston Glencoe. Yeah. So I see a lot of people, and then that's about it. Yeah, so I probably, get around. Yeah, so you probably know uh, know you locally and all that. So you do the FedEx. We'll go ahead and start with that. All right. FedEx, uh, my dad worked UPS. I mm-hmm. think you know that yeah. a little bit. I uh, talked about that many, many times on here. Uh, 42 years on the UPS. I don't know if you'll put in 42 years at FedEx. I don't know about that. Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, how has FedEx been, you know, doing that? Uh, a lot of people say it's got some hot summers, some cold winters and, uh, it's better than, it's better than UPS. Right. Right. They don't have air. So how's the experience been overall? Not too bad. I started, uh, delivering like, like the Coleman area. That's like an hour away. Mm -hmm. And I mean, it was easy, but when I finished up, that was like an hour drive back before i got off so then i signed the route closer and not too bad a lot of dogs got mm-hmm. bit once oh yeah it was not fun so let's hear that story i'm excited to hear that one. well i delivered to this house before it was a trailer never had a dog mm-hmm. i was like okay so i get up to the porch and then i hear a dog barking it's like it did not sound like a small dog so then i look down and there's a doggy door that they installed right next to the door mm-hmm. it's like okay well here comes this pit bull Right out. So I take off off the porch and he gets me on the back of the leg. I throw the box, punch him in the head, finally get to my van. The chain reaches to the end of the driveway. Oh, wow. So I was like, what? Why even have a chain? Anyways, the lady comes out and she's like, are you okay? And I was like, yeah, I had to throw your box. She's like, okay. And then two kids laughing in the window. So mm-hmm. I was like, I'm not coming back here. Yeah, they probably have that chain so they can go out or whatever, still, yeah. but still be there. But that mm-hmm. kind of defeats the purpose of that. Yeah, never went back. Did you file a report? No, uh-huh. I didn't need stitches or anything. Oh, okay. They like, he only got me like one deep, like tooth, mm-hmm. but I mean, it healed up. It was bruised for a while, but it wasn't too bad. Gotcha. Rabies? No, no. <laughs> Did he have a shot at the dog this year? Yeah. That's good. I, well, I, I researched too, and I think they said. There hasn't been a rabies case from a domesticated animal in the last 50 years. I believe it. Yeah. Most rabies, uh, I worked emergency medicine most of my career. I said mm-hmm. that a lot. And bats, uh, bats are big in rabies and maybe raccoons, uh, but other animals, other like cats, dogs is very rare. Very, because, very rare. Like it's required. 
Mm-hmm. Like with the sh- when you get a dog, when you cat, you got to get the shots. Like rabies right. shots are required. Right, it makes sense. But yeah, the domesticated animals. It's uh, that's funny you say that because that is true. From mm-hmm. my experience, that's that is true. But stay away from the bats. Don't touch yeah. raccoons, kids. Don't ever touch raccoons. Dunkin' Cookies. We got them in here. I'm gonna go ahead and pull one up right there. Dunkin' Cookies got this brand right here. Now, uh, I want you to tell the story of Dunkin' Cookies. This right. brand that you've started, small beginnings, yeah, uh, and is growing ever slowly. So, kind of tell us the origin of of the business, what you're going with it, and kind of what the future holds for it. I uh, I made cookies one time a couple years ago. Chocolate chip, terrible. Absolutely terrible. They turned into like cake. Mm. So I never tried again. And I think it was like maybe May, June, May or June. I don't remember. I was like, hey, let's try that again. So I made them again. They turned out good. And then I just kept making them, started giving them away to people. I was like, what do you think? So they would give me feedback. I'd adjust the recipe. And then um, Southside High School put on a farmer's market. Their FFA did. Mm-hmm. And uh, their uh, ag teacher asked if I wanted to sell cookies at it. I was like, sure. So I made chocolate chips, sold them there. They all sold out. And then um, people are like, you should add more flavors. So I got chocolate chip, oatmeal raisin, snickerdoodle, peanut butter and then i just did salted caramel mm-hmm. that one's my favorite personally i've had peanut butter and chocolate chip and both are incredible man. yeah it's a good it's a good thing so talking about the business uh kind of still small still yeah. selling locally not online sales or nope, anything no just local yet. um i sell them at Southside pharmacy um they go quick there and if anybody's watching uh, from Alabama, a town in Alabama, yes. uh, but you might see it on Amazon or somewhere soon. You never know. Yeah, you never know. know. Be on the lookout. Um, I think I started selling three weeks ago and I've sold over 700 cookies. Yeah. Um, got one order for Thanksgiving. Um, it's going good. That's great, man. Well, it's starting small is the key. Yeah. You know, you've started your business. We call it a business mm-hmm. um, in your house. You're yes. baking cookies and all that. You know, a lot of people want to go start a business. They go buy, uh, rent a space. They go yeah. get all these employees and their, their margin is just, they can't make money. But you've done it, I think, the right way. Test it. Test it in an area first. Mm-hmm. See if it if it sells and if it can scale. You're already selling out of everything already in just a, such a small area. Yeah. And I like, I've gave over like, Gave away like over 400 cookies. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, I definitely thought about it before I got into it. Sure. And I did some research. Alabama, you don't need a license to sell out of your home. Okay. Um, If you get too big, the USDA wants you to take the uh, health um, training, like just for like food health, food safety training. Sure. But I'm not that big. Um, Yeah. 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 Well, yeah. See, it's growing, man. Even yeah. in the three weeks, man, I've seen you post on social media. Everybody's swarming to get them. Mm-hmm. Uh, pretty addictive, addictive little goodies there. Yeah. So talk about the business. We talked about it off camera, kind of why it started. So Dunkin' Cookies, what kind of brought this business I did alive? Um, well, we just wanted more money at first, mm. um, but I never really got like serious about selling them. And then uh, uh, finally decided to like, bite the bullet, I guess, and start selling them. But then all at the same time, there's this mission trip that's coming up at our church, uh, going down to the Amazon ministries called Amazon hope. They mm-hmm. just go down the Amazon river and, uh, uh, visit all the different tribes, uh, share the gospel. And I thought that I wanted, um, 
I would do that to fundraise. So uh, word got out I was going to do that to fundraise. Well, then somebody called and just paid for my trip, mm. which, I mean, the pastor called me and told me, and I was like, there was a long pause. Yeah. I was like speechless. And how much was the trip? 2200 Wow. Yeah. And anonymous. They didn't mm. want to say they were. So, I mean, I'm still kind of speechless because yeah. like, that, that's generous. Mm-hmm. And it was like a big blessing. So um, I had to post on the Facebook page that at the moment, sales are not going towards the trip. Because yeah. I didn't want people to think they're buying cookies and it's going towards a mission trip when it's actually not. Because I felt like that'd be dishonest. Right. So, but I've decided when we get an official date, it's going to be next summer, probably June or July. When we get an official date, I'm going to block off a chunk of time and I'm going to say, going to sell cookies. Everything I make from here to here is going to help pay for somebody else's trip. Oh, wow. Because, I mean, if mine was paid for, I mean, I'd like to help somebody else go. Mm -hmm. Um, But I'd like to sell five, five. I was saying 500 a month, mm-hmm. but I'm already past that. So I'd like to do a thousand cookies a month. Yeah. Um, it, it's going to take time because, I mean, it's a process. Mm-hmm. I've kind of gotten a process down now to where I'm able to make, like, I get some dough made. And then as I'm baking those, I make some more dough, put it in the fridge. So Kind of like I'm, an assembly line kind of yeah, in a way. So yeah, timing it. I'm getting the, the process down, so. Mm-hmm. Well, going back to the thing about paying for a trip, I think that's, um, it shows your character. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of people, you know, they would still take the money even if they wouldn't update their customer base. Yeah. But I think when you're, when you have loyal people, when you have people that really buy into what you're doing, if you're honest with them, they're going to buy into that. They're going to see uh, the vulnerability there mm-hmm. and the class and the character that you have and how you carry yourself. I think that's going to speak volumes to everybody. Yeah. But I'd like, I just didn't want to be dishonest about it. Mm-hmm. Like, cause I don't Rare, know. Dude. I don't uh, know. Everybody ain't like that. <laughs> yeah. I don't know who all heard that I was selling. I was going to sell to fundraise, but a couple of people had brought it up to my wife. And so we just decided we just need to go ahead and address this. Mm-hmm. Just kind of just get it out in the open. Mm-hmm. So nobody feels like I'm just taking money for the wrong reasons. Right. Well, Dunkin' Cookies, man, the business, yep. I, it's going to grow. I know it is. Uh, you're a great guy. You're building a great business and you got a lot of support. Proof of concept. You've put it out there. People are buying into it. Mm-hmm. I think you got a good thing going, man. Thank you. I'm excited to see the growth. You mentioned your wife. Let's go ahead and talk about that. So you're right. married. Yes. How long have you been married? It'll be nine years tomorrow. That's crazy, man. Yeah. I feel like I, I remember when y'all got married at nine years ago. I sound old, but life gets by, dude. So talk about marriage. How has marriage been? Some people are like, ah, oh, when you're married, you can't do what you used to do, blah, blah, all that. Kind of explain what marriage is to you. How do you see marriage overall? I mean, it's just a partnership. Mm-hmm. Uh, you tackle life together. Um, with us, we do it uh, with our faith. Uh, we go to church. We try to just live out the best life, like the best life God wants for us, try to just show that we are believers. Um, it's it's got its ups and downs, like every marriage. But, sure. I mean, it's good. Mm-hmm. That's and good. People say that it stops you from doing what you want to do, but I mean, we we still do it. Yeah, I think, gotta, it, I think it depends on your life. You know what you want to do, and mm-hmm. I think once you 
you know, meet somebody that does the same things or similar to you. I think that's a great partnership, you mm-hmm. know, because you don't almost lack. Because I feel like that's why a lot of people stray away and do different things and all that because they're lacking something maybe that their partner doesn't give them. They don't communicate what they need or whatever else. Kind of getting off there. But I think that's why uh, matching up with a good partner is very, very important. Yes, I agree. And being equally yoked, like you said, you lean on your faith and all that. That's great. Mm-hmm. So from dating to marriage, how is that? Some people say when you get married, everything's different. You know, during your dating phase with your wife now, was that different? Or what all changed when you got married to people, that, young people that are engaged or whatever? Uh, nothing really. I mean, mm. just, I mean learning the little things about somebody when you actually like move in together. Yeah. But nothing really changed. Mm-hmm. One, I mean, when we got married, we went to uh Disney world oh, yeah. for a honeymoon. Oh. Got married on a Saturday. Wedding was at 11. We left around one thirty or two drove all day. Got there at like two in the morning. Little do I know that Caitlin likes to laugh in her sleep and wake herself up. Wow. So I was like, yeah it's like four in the morning yeah find out all those little weird quirks that's funny and <laughs> like all of a sudden she's over there like crying because she's laughing so hard uh-huh. woke herself up and was like yeah what did i get into yeah yeah <laughs> that's when reality kicks in it sets yeah. in. so how was disney disney as a honeymoon would you recommend it yeah mm-hmm. I, we haven't been recently so we don't know with all the changes but i haven't either i haven't been in like five years i think i don't think we've been since 2018 yeah, that's, I think that's the last time I went. Yeah, before yeah. our daughter was born. Yeah. Yeah. And they've done a lot of changes. The Star Wars mm-hmm. land and all that. And they're, yep. they're making a whole Star Wars park. Yeah. Is that right? I it think Disney, so. Disney World, yeah. And then they made like the whole Toy Story land. We haven't seen that. Mm-hmm. We didn't. We haven't even been to like the Avatar land. Animal yeah, Kingdom. I neither. So it's been a while for us. Like, we need to set a group trip. Yeah. We're going to have to do it, man. That'll be fun. We'll have to do something like that. It'd be cheaper. It, it would. Absolutely. So married for nine years. Yes. And you have a child. Mm-hmm. So you have a daughter. Um, And she's how old? Four. Four years old. So I bet that's a handful, I'm sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, take it day by day. That's it. That's all you can do. So a lot of people would say when you have a kid as a man, things change. Mm-hmm. Your motivations. You have somebody else to take. You have your wife, but. Almost when you have a child, it's like it, it ramps it up, you mm-hmm. know, your desire to provide and do all that stuff. Did you see a big change in you or uh, what was your overall experience like having a child? Uh, it's a tough one. Mm-hmm. Um, for me, when Caitlin got pregnant, I worked a good year mm-hmm. and I worked night shift. Terrible. Yeah. Eight night shift. We would only see each other like maybe some days like 10 minutes a day. Yeah. So. I wanted to find a new job even before I found out she was pregnant. But then when we found out, then I definitely wanted to. And uh, Lexi was born on June 1st of 2019. And I found a new job in March of 2019. How about that? Yeah. So it just worked out. I feel like it was like a God thing. Mm-hmm. Cause Goodyear just announced that they were going to lay people off. Right. I, I was one of those people. Mm-hmm. So just timing was good. Um, the pay de- um, the pay went down a little bit, but I was going to be home more. That's mm-hmm. what I cared about. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the whole cookie thing, we've had a lot of financial stuff come up this year. Mm-hmm. So the cookie thing is helping. Um, mm-hmm. So you mentioned money versus time. Mm-hmm. 
So you had more time together, but you took less money. Yeah. A lot of people travel out of town, take jobs out of town, away from their families all the time, wife and kids. Um, what would you say to people that do that? Do you think it's more beneficial, the time aspect versus providing more money? Or what do you think? Is there a balance there? For me, I would go with time. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, money. I mean, you'd have the best job in the world. Doesn't mean you're going to have it tomorrow. Right. Uh we live well, we live below our means. We do not live extravagant lives. Mm-hmm. So we're not out there trying to like spend all the money we got. Mm-hmm. So we just time going on vacation tomorrow and it's mm-hmm. just time together. Well, you know, money will always come back, but time mm-hmm. will not. And I yeah. think that's a good way to look at it. You know, you can always make more money. You can work into a second job or put in more hours or meet a financial goal, but the time lost from all that, you got to think about that too. That's why I think the balance of that is so very important. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like you said, but that's good, man. So Goodyear, you mentioned that you got laid off. Yeah, I was going to. Okay. Um, so kind of what was the process with like getting about to be laid off and all that, looking for a job, the stress of all that. Cause I feel like in the past couple of years, a lot of people have dealt with that. What was that experience like? Actually not stressful at all. Wow. Goodyear announced they were laying people off. Uh, I don't even remember when it was. And then I looked online. FedEx was hiring. I applied. Like within a week, I got the job. Wow. And I still had like several more months at Goodyear. Mm -hmm. So I went to work after I got the job and I was like, hey, I got this new job. They said I could start on Monday. Don't need to work out a two week notice. And they were like, nope. I mean, you're going to get laid off anyways right so they just let me that be my last day Mm -hmm. so it was like an easy transition wasn't that stressful because like like a week that was it where i didn't know if i would have a job or not but then it was just a god thing Mm -hmm. it popped up i applied and i got it well that happened to you when you were married your wife was pregnant a Mm -hmm. child on the way you had a house at the time yes mortgage all that i mean i'm sure it was pretty stressful to some extent it was a little bit because before my wife found out, we actually put our house on the market because we were wanting to find a bigger place. Okay. And it got a little, it got stressful because I mean, due dates approaching house still on the market. We mm-hmm. haven't found a house mm-hmm. and we had some offers. Eventually we just took the house off the market. We did not want to be in the moving process when, uh, Caitlin went into labor. Smart. So we took it off the market and stress levels went down a little mm-hmm. bit. Um, I I just don't get stressed out that much. Yeah. Lucky it bo- you. It, it bothers, <laughs> I always Caitlin, like that. bothers Caitlin a little bit because um, I don't get, I don't stay mad. Mm-hmm. Like some people like they, they want to argue. Yeah. Like they want to talk through it and I say what I got to say and then I'm done. Mm-hmm. So I just, I don't get that mad about things. Mm. Yeah. I think that's good though. Um, not to let your emotions handle you. I think it's good to keep emotions in check, feel emotions. Like you said, you say what you need to say, mm-hmm. but then you're done. What is the point of hanging on to that? You know, we need mm-hmm. to go in a different direction. We need to say, we need to say, correct, whatever we need to correct. And then we need to move forward. Uh, mm-hmm. like we talked about time, you're holding on to all that. You're just wasting a bunch of time and wasting time that you could, you know, have good, good, um, you know, times with your, with your loved one, because mm-hmm. really when you have arguments and all that, let me say this. You don't not like the person. You you are attacking the problem. And I think a lot of people, when they have conflict, 
they they get so mad at the person and it's all but you're trying to solve this issue so i think if people would approach it in that way we're here to solve this issue together i think both people have to be in mind on that mm-hmm. we're not trying to harm each other we don't not like each other but we don't like what is happening so let's work together and find a resolution to that yeah any thoughts yeah i mean i agree with you uh for me it's the longer you talk about it the more mad you're going to get yeah, and the more you're going to say stuff out of anger that you don't mean you're just trying to retaliate at something they said. That's a good point. And like, I'm, I'm guilty of that. Sure. Everybody is. Yeah. So, um, I just try to let it go. Mm-hmm. I think that's smart. Looking at it from a wide angle view, you know, seeing, is this really necessary? Like to to keep going over all this, you know what I mean. Sometimes if you just let stuff go for a day or two, even it'll dissipate anyway. Mm-hmm. It'll go away. Versus you kind of staying on something and ruminate on it, keeping it in your mind, it'll sit there and fester and grow. Yeah, yeah. But I think that's very important, man. Let it go. Yeah. Uh, frozen. Yes, I listen. Let to it that. go. Anyway, I listen uh, to that a lot today. It's good stuff. Um, so married life overall, you would say is pretty good for you. You yes. enjoy being married. Mm-hmm. Would you recommend it? Say, so what age did you get married? 28. Okay. Was it 20? No, just kidding. I'm 30. He's in trouble, Caitlin. 24. 24. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So being married at 24 years old, there's a lot of young people getting married out there. There's a lot of people also waiting until 35, 40 years old, not getting married till then. Which, what, what would you say to people in those age ranges? I mean. If you wait, I mean, if you're trying to be sure, then, I mean, that's fine. Yeah. I mean, don't jump into anything that you're not completely sure about. I feel like a lot of uh, younger people are getting married now because, I mean, I I don't even know. People are getting married, like, right out of high school now. Yeah. And I know, personally, several people that uh, I went to school with have gotten married, and they're already divorced. Mm -hmm. Didn't even last a year. Yeah. And this isn't just one person. This is like three or four. Wow. So. I feel like three or four marriages. Yeah. Wow. So I feel like a lot of people are just jumping into it too early. You know, I think that's a great point. Uh, Marriage is a covenant. Mm -hmm. Marriage isn't a a, a Facebook status. And I think a lot of people jump into marriage thinking I can get out. But I think you need to enter marriage with that mindset. This is there's no other option. I have chosen this partner and I'm in. And I think in society today, like you just said, people look at marriage as an option. If I don't like him, if they make me mad, I'm out. I'll find a better one. You know, interesting. Somebody um, I I saw on a podcast, they said dating isn't in the Bible. It's not. We've made this thing about dating. And there was a lot of arranged marriage and stuff Mm -hmm. in the past and all that. But it is an interesting thought. Like, what does God really think about dating? Because it's not in the Bible really at all. It talks about marriage, the covenant, all that. Mm-hmm. But dating isn't in there. What's your thoughts on that? I think now, like, there's more things in the world now. Yeah. Like, things are more complex. It's harder to get to know somebody unless you're in a more, like, intimate setting. Unless, like, you're sitting down just one-on-one talking to each other. And back then, I mean, they had a lot more work to do, like physical work to do. Yeah. But there weren't as many things going on. Mm-hmm. Wasn't TV, cell phones, all this other stuff going on. So I feel like now, like dating is a necessity. Mm. You need to get to know the person before you jump into that commitment. And then before you jump into that commitment, you guys need to talk about it. Don't just spur of the moment, just ask someone to marry you if you guys haven't even like 
talked about marriage. Yeah. Like, does that person want kids? Um, Are they able to have kids? Yeah. You know, there's a lot of stuff. Do they want to stay in this town? Do they want to move away? There's a lot of big things I feel like you need to talk about before you jump into marriage. And for us, one of our big things was like, we don't believe in divorce. Like Mm -hmm. we went into this marriage saying that we will not talk about divorce. We'll work on our problems. And I mean, if we have to go to counseling, we got to go to counseling. But I mean, counseling isn't a bad thing. No, not at all. Um, We haven't had to do that. Um, So, but. You need those big conversations. I think counseling and therapy, bringing that in, we're kind of bouncing around from topics, but I think this is a lot of great information. But it's great, and I think there is a negative stigma around Mm -hmm. counseling, therapy, and all that. What's wrong with the mediator? You know, what's wrong with somebody? Because sometimes two people, even one person, your judgment can be clouded. You don't see all the angles. Why not get somebody, if there's something you can't resolve, like we talked about, you keep same argument, can't let stuff go, all that. Why not get a third party and have somebody kind of speak life into you? I would obviously trust them. Mm-hmm. Uh, I wouldn't just get anybody, in my opinion, um, and really trust somebody to do that. But I think that's uh, that's a great thing to do. Yeah, I agree. Yep. But marriage is great, man. I think that's just the key, having two people together that are committed and they both just say, we're in. Like, mm-hmm. I'm all in. There's no way out. I can get upset, I, whatever, but I'm not going to leave. You know, and I think that's the problem with society now is everybody's just scared, man. Like you said, it's an option. It is. But everybody's scared to be married. And, you know, some people, I don't know. It's, I, I don't understand it. I don't understand it. Like, I can date a woman, yeah. But if I get married to somebody, I'm done. Like, so check, the, check the box. Uh, there's no other options and all that. Yeah. There, a lot of people are afraid of commitment, I think. Yeah. Well, it's almost like they miss out. Mm-hmm. It's almost like if I commit to, I don't have all these other options that I used to and all that. Some people are married and still do. They do stuff yeah. like that. You know, that's a very common thing too. So it's a, uh, it's a weird time, man. Online dating. I had that written down. I'm going to kind of talk about that a little bit. I haven't touched on in the podcast that much, but um, I've been on dating apps before, had the experiences different for sure, but very surface level. Mm-hmm. You know, if you walk, if you like, if we, you had an event, like you had a party and there was a girl and I met her and like, and then we talked and all that. It's so much more, you see them in person, social cues and all that versus just pictures like Instagram on a dating app. What's your opinion on dating apps and all that? I mean, for some people it works. Mm-hmm. I got a, I have a friend, he's been on dating apps. Um, he didn't marry the person he met on the dating app, but they, I mean, it was a good experience for him. Yeah. I think, uh, what you said, it's very surface level though. Mm-hmm. As you get older, it's harder to meet people. Yeah. Because, I mean, unless you're going to go to like a bar or a place like that, where are you going to meet people? Because at our age, like you go to work, kind of have the same friends mm-hmm. and not many people are getting brought into that friend circle. Mm-hmm. I lucked out. Mm-hmm. Like I moved down here from Virginia and like I met Caitlin two days after I moved down here. Yeah. But for some people, like they just like what they see on the surface. Right. And I think once they see what's on the surface, they're hooked. But then when they actually find out who the person is offline, then sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. Charm is deceptive, beauty is fleeting, mm-hmm. but a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. And I think that's something you really, as a man, you really need to write, etch that 
on your heart and understand that because there's beauty everywhere. We got beautiful now women. Women are beautiful, man, all over the place. But who fears the Lord? Who's going to lead you to a better place or help guide you to a better mm-hmm. place? I think men lead. That's my opinion on that. But, you know, um, there's beauty everywhere. But can you find a woman with conviction that that lives their life with conviction and follows the Lord like you do? You know, I think that's really the key. Mm-hmm. I agree. Yeah. But yeah, service level, man, dating apps, it's it's rough. There was a uh, data um, saw an opinion on this that dating apps match you with people that you will not stay with because why would they match you with somebody that gets you off the dating platform? Exactly. Right. So it's almost like an algorithm set, setting you up for, to fail. Mm-hmm. Um, and obviously there's promiscuity on dating apps and all that. It, it just leads you down a dark path to me. I think it's a good way to meet people to an extent, but it also can be very dark. Well, I feel like at this point with the algorithm, like if you stay on someone's profile for one second longer than the others, then it's going to start, giving you more profiles like that one. Yeah. Yeah. Well, just like Facebook, Mm -hmm. if you like view a post or whatever, yes, you hover over it long enough, you're going to get more, yeah, more advertisements for stuff like that. Yeah. Well, Facebook, it like, if you just talk about something, (laughs) sometimes I I swear I've even thought about stuff, just thought of things, Mm -hmm. not can it like look at your eye movements or something and know what you're thinking. It's weird because it's happened to me too. Like I've thought of something and then like a day later, it's like, Okay, I'm going to do something. I've never done this on the podcast, but I'm going to do it. I'm feeling kind of uh, free on this one. Uh, fire extinguishers. I'm going to say I'm going to say fire extinguishers and say it in a couple of times in a sentence. And I want you to also. And I'm going to look at my phone before we leave the podcast. Okay. And I'm going to see if it talks about it. Do we need to have it open though? Uh, possibly, possibly. What are we going to do? Facebook? Yeah. I'm going to do it. You saw it here first, people. If you're on the audio portion, uh, we're getting our phones out, getting Facebook ready. All right. All right. Fire extinguishers quite possibly could extinguish all fires in every household. Everyone should have a fire extinguisher in their home at all times. Yeah, but there's different fire extinguishers for different fires. Right. Large, small fire extinguishers. Well, they have different chemicals in them. Like a grease fire needs to be put out with a certain fire extinguisher. That's right. But all fire extinguishers will extinguish fires. Will extinguish fires. <laughs> okay. We're not going to go too far in that, but that's hilarious. That's the test, dude. I'm going to see if it happens. That's going to be crazy. Uh, we'll move on. So um, I'm going to talk about mental health crisis, dude. Uh, we talked about social media. We just opened our social media, talked about dating apps, all that. I think for men, even women in this time, it's a, it's a hard time out there. Uh, for mental health and all that from an aspect as a clinician treated people um, and the way I treat people I'll just say it you know with mental health disorders and all that I like to not be medicated mm-hmm. that that's my opinion I think things can be situational anxiety is not a disease let me say that anxiety is a symptom right anxiety is your body's alarm saying I'm not safe here like something is not right I'm being overstimulated all that so in viewing that, the way I treat and like to treat is find the root of the cause. Go to therapy, uh, seek counseling, find out why your anxiety alarms and all that are going off. Depression can be a different thing. It can be uh, seasonal as well. So I like to treat things seasonally and really deep dive into people's mental health issue and try to find the root of the issue. Um, that's the way I handle most of life anyway. Your opinion on mental health overall in the world, what would you say about it, man? I mean, it's real. 
Yeah. Um, I have some family members there. They have depression. I mean, it's a real thing, especially for those that like get trapped in like certain situations, feel like they can't get out. Mm-hmm. Um, I do feel like there's like a negative stigma around it where people, I feel like some people just use it as an excuse. Yeah. Um, a lot of introverts. I feel like some people, like, I don't want people to think I'm just saying people are lying, but I feel like some people use that as an excuse not to go out. Mm-hmm. Like they, they just don't want to meet people. Well, anxiety can start small too, and mm-hmm. then can develop into phobias, right? Yeah. Too. Uh, but I think some people can use it for attention. I've seen, I've had a friend before, not going to mention names, of course, but that that was the case. I saw a lot of the attention seeking behavior and stuff like that. But anxiety is real. Yeah. You know, it is and a real. lot of people, yeah. Yeah. But I think it can develop and grow into certain phobias and all that too, most definitely. I do think that people need to address it though, if they think they have it in their lives. Sure. With the negative stigma, nobody wants to be associated with it. Yeah. So, but I feel like if people feel like they have those symptoms, then they need to see somebody, get mm-hmm. it addressed. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I agree. But yeah, with, with anything in mental health, man, just seek help. I think, um, I'm a big believer in that, man. Um, I went through a couple of dark times in my life. Didn't have a lot of support. Didn't have a lot of people. And, um, but I think God got me through and the, and the small group of people that I had around me got me through. If you need help, you need to ask for it, man. Yeah. I think as a man, there's just so much shame in that. And that's, that's so sad to me that men can't be vulnerable and stuff. They seem weak or whatever, man. We all struggle and suffer with something. You need good friends. That's right. I think that's the key. Surrounding yourself with good, godly people around you um, that can help support you and all that for sure. Mm-hmm. But in this time and day and age, man, uh, you need each other. But see, Netflix, all these other things, they kind of glorify just stay at home yeah. by yourself and Binge all that. these shows for eight weeks. Right, right. But what do you get from that? You know, going back to the dawn of time, we need a connection. We need to, if you weren't around people, you died. Mm-hmm. That's just how it was. And I think slowly, sadly, that's what society is decaying, in my opinion. We've alienated everybody. We're by ourselves and all that. We have our TVs, our smartphones and all that, but we don't have each other. And uh, and we're there, but we're not present. Mm-hmm. Like we're physically present, but we're not mentally present. So, And I mean, I'm guilty of it. I'll yeah. get lost watching videos on my phone. Mm-hmm. But there's the algorithm again. They know mm-hmm. what I stopped at. That's it. That's it. They do. That algorithm, man, it'll get you. Uh, so you mentioned Virginia. Yes. You moved down here from Virginia. Mm-hmm. I want to hear this story because I don't really know the whole story. Pull the mic to your mouth. Just make sure you can't. I, perfect. All right. I just want to make sure I can hear you. <clears throat> um, but I want to hear about the story in Virginia coming down to Alabama. How old were you? Just give the whole spiel, man. I want to hear this. All right. Uh, I, uh, my youth pastor, when I was in youth, um, he was my youth pastor from like seventh grade until I graduated. He became the youth pastor at a church down here. So um, after I got out of the youth, like I moved away for a while, then I came back and I helped out. And when he moved down here, I brought some of the current youth kids down here to visit him. And while I was down here, I applied for two jobs. And then I went back. And I came back a few weeks late later for uh, to MC one of their D now mm-hmm. um disciple now I MC that and when I came down here for that I actually had interviews for both of them and so I went to both of them 
took one of them, got the job, turned down the other one, and then I didn't go back until <laughs> for like six months. Oh, wow. I came down in April and didn't go back until December. So what made you want to come down in the first place? Uh, it's family stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, change of scenery. I've moved around a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm moving that far away. wasn't that big deal, that much of a big deal to me. Mm-hmm. Um, so you're giving me more information. I kind of want to backtrack a little bit as right. well and get all these details. You said you moved a lot, kind of start out childhood. What was everything like for you? Um, my parents split up when I was like before kindergarten, mm. we'll say about four. Um, now I'm going to say this at first. Uh, my parents are completely different now sure. from what they used to be. Sure. Um, my mom was a drug dealer mm-hmm. and, uh, my dad, when, uh, we got in trouble, he took it a little too far. Mm-hmm. So, uh, my parents split up when I was about four. Um, we moved around with, around a lot with my mom. Uh, we lived with her until I was in the second grade and then my dad got custody of us. Mm. And then we moved around a lot with him too. I went to seven different elementary schools. Um, so like I'm used to meeting new people, used to change of scenery. Did he have to move for a job or no, we just hopped around. I don't know why, Mm. but still um, don't know why. No. Uh, it's, but like I said, he, nobody's ever really ready to be a parent. Sure. I don't think they were ready and they didn't handle it the best, uh, the best. Mm -hmm. Uh, so the situation was not good for us. Um, I got two older brothers and we're pretty close. Um, I got a, we're born really close. Oldest brother was born in 88. And another brother, 89, and I was born in 90. Oh, wow. Yeah. So like one right after the other. And me and the middle one, Justin, uh, we, uh, we're pretty close. Um, but as we got older, uh, we didn't see my mom that much. Then she got arrested, didn't see her for a while. And my dad still had the, the anger issue. Mm-hmm. So it just kind of split everyone apart. Um, both of my brothers moved out when they were still in high school. Um, and when they moved out, it was like completely different mm. because like I didn't do anything bad. So like, I'd like all the rules were gone. I didn't go crazy or anything, but it was like a completely different like household. Sure. And it was just weird. Um, I want, I want to dive in on that. I think there's people that may listen to this that dealt with, can I say abuse? Um, yeah, maybe childhood abusive households. The weight that that puts on a child, mm-hmm. you said when your your dad, you felt like no rules and whatever. I don't know if that's necessarily just having no rules or just that weight almost being lifted off of you by not having that, that heavy presence there. You know yeah. what I mean? Mm-hmm. Uh, no, well, he also got a, a different job, so mm-hmm. he wasn't there as much. Mm-hmm. But even before then, um, my brothers were kind of like, they weren't the best. Mm-hmm. They definitely got into trouble. Um, and I, I'm not trying to like chew my own horn, but I didn't. Sure. And well, you're the youngest. Yes. Youngest is always the best. Well, I have a little brother too. (laughs) I have a little brother, but he's a, he has a different mom. My dad, uh, got remarried. So we're, there's a 14 age, 14 year age difference between us. Mm -hmm. He just graduated high school and I'm 32. So, um, but 
I think it really affected them. My two older brothers. Mm -hmm. I think at first when my parents split up, like I was too young to like grasp the situation. And then by the time I was able to grasp it, like it didn't matter to me. Sure. Um, Like growing up, I wouldn't have said I'd like back then I wouldn't have said, Oh, I had a hard life. But now like looking back, I still, I still don't think it was terrible, but it was not an ideal situation for any kids to be in. Mm Mm-hmm. And I don't think my two other two brothers handled that that well. Yeah. I want to ask you this. My parents divorced when I was 19. Mm-hmm. Uh, I had to go through, honestly, a lot of therapy to get through that and all that. Do you feel like being younger? It's because a lot of people stay together. You know, parents are like, we stayed together till the kids got out and it was better and all that. Do you think it's better for them to divorce when you're young or when you're older? Because we were different in that aspect. Well, I I don't believe in divorce. Right. But under certain circumstances in the Bible, I mean, if there's abuse going on, then yes. Or infidelity. Yes. Adultery, definitely. Right. Um, But if that stuff is going on and it's trickling down to the kids, they see all the fighting, they know of other relationships the parents are having, then you're just going to do more damage if you're just trying to stay together until they're out of high school. I do want to echo on that. Sorry, mom and dad. I'm going to go in on that the way I feel about it. But third grade, my parents almost split when I was in third grade and I still remember it now. And, you know, I went to my mom and cried and was like, I want y'all to be, because I didn't understand. Mm-hmm. I was, I was eight or nine at the time or something like that. But you, you know, going through certain things during that time in third grade, when my parents were about to split, there's energy there. They don't have to say anything like as a child, you, you feel something is happening. Something bad is happening, but you don't, you're eight, nine years old. You don't know how to explain that or what Mm -hmm. to say or how to say, I don't feel safe or whatever. And I think that's why, you know, divorce rates are so high and so many kids are impacted by all this. I think a lot of that is why, you know, that trauma that happens at different points of your life, especially when you're a child, it really affects you. Yeah. And my parents' divorce lasted for from 93 to 99, 1993 to 1999. Their divorce? Yes. The divorce proceeding lasted that long. Why? I have no idea. This was in Virginia? Yes. Could have been something. There, a lot of is state law. So well, uh, Back then, too, it was harder to get divorced. Now, yeah. you're married for like a week and you can go get a marriage annulment. That's right. But back then, like Virginia, I'm pretty sure that you have to try and work on it for a year. Once you like start the divorce process, I'm pretty sure you have to wait a year before mm-hmm. you can finalize the divorce. I you, could be wrong. Yeah. But, um, you know what I don't like about that though? What if somebody's being abused? Ex- yeah, exactly. What if somebody, uh, there's constant infidelity. Like you don't um, have to stay in the same house. Okay. You can still move out, but you, uh, the process is a lot longer there. Yeah. And I know their intentions logically trying to do that, but then you have to, that's why these legislators, man, it's a hard job. I will mm-hmm. say that, but you got to really think about everything you're doing because yeah. you can keep people in some terrible situations for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I think it's, it's, it, you know, it starts in the home. I think parents with divorced or, or kids with divorced parents are much more likely to get divorced. You know, I think statistically that's true. Um, or even get married or even get married. Yeah. It starts in the home, man. I think you're, you're scarred a little bit. 
Um, and you see that's an option. Your parents did it. So now you see, oh, that's an option for me. Mm-hmm. When times get tough or when I want to do something else or I can just go, I can break a covenant and go do whatever I want to do. Yeah. Um, it, it's an interesting thing for sure. But it did affect my brothers. I still, I feel like they still deal with it today. Mm-hmm. Um, we're close. Not as close as we used to be, especially since I live over 400 miles away. Right. Kind of hard to do that. Yeah. yeah but um, I don't hold any like ill will towards my parents. Yeah. I think we still have like decent relationships. Yeah. Um, we're definitely not like the closest family, but I mean, nobody's like fighting each other. Well, so. I think that's the thing too. I don't, you know, parents get divorced and all that people have demons that they fight that people don't know anything about. Mm -hmm. And I held on to that for so long. My parents divorce, like almost that it was like, I I blame like, how dare they, how dare they ruin my life? My picture I had of what life was supposed to be. Who knows what they deal with? Who, Who knows? And so it was kind of a selfish way. I was young, whatever. But once you age and stuff, you realize, wow, I mean, there's probably still stuff you don't know, Mm -hmm. you know, about your parents, about anything else. So, you know, know everybody's situation is different. That's why judgment and judging people is so wrong, because we only see a fraction Mm -hmm. of what's actually happening. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, I know a good bit about it, but I I mean, in the long run, I don't think it really affected me. Right. Because it was I was so young. So by the time I got old enough, like I was already used to the situation. Right. So did we answer the question? You feel like it's better younger? Oh, I, if it's going to affect the child and there is infidelity or abuse, then yes, go ahead and end it. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I feel like if you know the marriage isn't working and those two aspects have happened, then don't just stay in it. Especially if like somebody's getting abused well i'm gonna go in a little bit on men here i think men use marriage as a power tactic mm-hmm. right so if you get married well that i mean i think you you've probably heard of situations where a man gets married to a woman then the man just slacks off yeah. like you pursuing the woman time 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 and then marriage happens and boom uh everything changes and you kind of stop dating the person people use that language you know all the time keep dating your spouse and all that and I think that's it. That's a shame. But I think some men use that as a power tactic. Like, you're, you're married to me. You ain't going anywhere. I'm going to yeah. keep doing everything I want to do, and you're going to stay right here. That's, you know? It's a twisted, warped way of thinking, but I've seen those situations, and that's how I know about that. You know? Yeah. I mean, it's out there. Yeah. You never know what marriage is like for everybody. A lot of people could be going through the worst marriage ever, and you'll never know. Absolutely. Because they don't want to talk about we it. We grew up in Baptist church, man. Yeah. You got to put on that persona. <laughs> You got to be looking perfect all the time, but yeah, that's, that's for sure. So, uh, I don't know if we ever finished the Virginia, we kind of backtracked to your family and all that, but we'll get back on that. So your family. Yes. Uh, like I said, my mom was a drug dealer and I, when we lived with her, like they split up in 93, my dad got custody of us when I was in the second grade. So I was like, what, like seven, Mm -hmm. eight. And Looking back, like there were a lot of parties, um, mm. but like, you just didn't know it was yeah party. Okay, mm-hmm. okay. Like I'd wake up in the middle of the night, and there'd be like thirty people in the room next door. Music blaring, open the door, big cloud of smoke hits you in the face. Wow! And but I didn't, I didn't know. I was, just, I didn't know what was going on. Mm-hmm. Um, and then. 
there some of like one of her boyfriends paid us to take shots and at so, how old like kindergarten first grade wow yeah so mm. uh thank then, you for being vulnerable with that man uh, i'm an open book yeah uh i think the first time i got high was been before kindergarten wow yeah somebody, was that second hand or somebody no somebody like would cup their hands around our face and blow all the smoke at us mm. yeah um like I said earlier, I was so young. I didn't know. I was so young. So it didn't affect me. And now when I tell people about it, they're like, that sounds terrible. And I'm like, I just like shrug it off like it was no big deal. Yeah. Not that it wasn't a big deal. It's just I didn't know any better. Sure. Um, well, kids are innocent. I yeah. mean, you, that was your mom and dad or mm-hmm. whatever. You know, you don't, you don't know any better. And then uh, my dad got custody of us. Uh, he was in the Marines. And his discipline tactic was the same as his dad. It was more punishment and not discipline. Mm-hmm. I think you talked about that on a previous podcast. Yeah. Um, Probably not to that extent. No, like you no. said, but, but yeah, it was, it was, more. It was more like punishment. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if he'll see this podcast or not, but uh, mm-hmm. one time I, uh, I think I was two or three, mm-hmm. emptied a whole bottle of new shampoo into the bathtub. Oh. I got spanked with a metal dog leash. Mm. So he definitely took it too far. Um, I remember one time, I think we all got in trouble. My dad went out and bought one of those thick wooden boat oars, snapped it over my brother's back. Wow. Yeah. So, I mean, he's completely different now. Mm-hmm. Like with my little brother, he went from one extreme to the other. Like, my, I don't think my little brother got spanked ever. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm glad that he doesn't have to go through that. But at the same time, I mean, should have been like a middle ground there. Sure. But, um, and then, uh, my older brother, um, he just had a lot of anger going on. Uh, he was, uh, forced out of the house when he was in high school. And then the middle one. That's the one I'm closest with, or was closest with. Um, he got into drugs pretty early. Mm. Um, the first time it really hit me, uh, we were in the ninth grade, uh, and I had to like take him. I could tell that something was messed up with him. I had to take him to his uh his first class when we got to school, and then uh, lunchtime rolls around. Somebody's like, "What? What happened? Like, what are you talking about?" They're like, "They took him out in a stretcher." I had no idea. This was your brother? Yeah. And I was like freaking out. Turns out he had gotten a bunch of like allergy pills and he'd taken like 60 or 80 of them. How old was he? Uh, ninth grade. Wow. And I didn't, I mean, didn't stop there. It just got worse. He's in recovery now. He's doing good. Mm-hmm. Um, there's always that fear that it's going to, he's going to slide back into it. Right. But I think. That is the most stressful thing in my life, that situation with him. Because we're only 10 months apart. And, like, we were best friends growing up. Mm-hmm. And, like, I I love my wife and my daughter. Mm-hmm. But I don't have a fear that they're going to go out and do something that's going to, like, take them away. Sure. And, I mean, when he was really into the drugs, there were some days, like, 
Was that the last day I'd ever talked to him? Uh, what was the last time? What was the last time I even talked to him? Mm-hmm. Was it a good conversation? Um, was that going to be the last one? Yeah. So I still he's doing better, but I still worry about it. I'm not as worried, but I mean the fear's still there. Mm-hmm. Um, drug drug addiction is it's real, mm-hmm. and it's hard to navigate. It is. It is, especially when the person doesn't. They say they want help, but they don't. Well, I think they do. I will say that. I think they do, but the addiction is stronger than their mm-hmm. want for help. And that's with anything in life. The When you're ready to change, it's when the pain is too much and the mm-hmm. change is too great, right? Yep. You and know. sadly, I mean, for him, he had to hit rock bottom. Yes, most people do. And I, I stopped helping him out. I wouldn't, I didn't give him any money. He's at, he asked me for money. Um, and I finally just said, I can't do it. Yeah. Uh, my mom, she, she was an enabler. Yeah. He, she knew what he was going to use the money for, but she has a soft spot for him because I mean, she had the same problem, mm-hmm. drug addiction. Mm-hmm. So she was very sympathetic and like he could play her like a fiddle. Yeah. And, but it's just one of the things you have to deal with daily. Mm-hmm. You never know if he's going to backslide. You never know if you'll get to talk to him again. So, yeah. Well, thank you for being vulnerable with that, man. I know that's pretty heavy and that's a lot. Um, with your dad, there's a lot of stuff I could branch off with and ask there. I don't think we have time to go really deep in a lot of stuff, but I want to ask about this. A lot of people have dealt with abusive situations in the past from their parent. Um, different things and they hold on to it for 20, 30, 40, 50, 60 years until their death, potentially. Mm-hmm. Have you forgiven your dad? And if so, was there a journey there? What was that experience like for you? I, I have no ill will against him. I never mm-hmm. have. Mm-hmm. Um, my brothers took it personally, Yeah, but I never, I don't know why I didn't take it personally, but I never did. Mm-hmm. Like we don't have like a very close relationship. But we'll still, like, we still talk. They came down to visit um, a few months ago. Um, we just don't have, like, a, we're not the type of family that gets together for holidays. So it's yeah. maybe, like, once a year, once every other year is when we see each other. I think that's that's what a lot of people deal with is that picture. Like you said, we don't see each other for holidays. The picture that everybody has in their mind and a lot of families, they all get together. It's like when a... Um, you know, there's a family and like the mom dies, terrible situations and stuff like that. The picture will never be the same, Mm -hmm. but you have to create something new. I think that's why people get caught up in grief. Let me talk about this for a second is because of pictures. You have this picture of what life should be. That life is over. Like that's not going to be, you have to mourn that grieve that it's a sad thing and you have to go forward and build something new. Um, and I think that's, that kind of made me think about that when you said that about, you know, holidays aren't the same and all that. Life was different for you. Well, no, we didn't do anything for holidays. Right. Even, bef- even before I moved down here. Yeah. So that's like, kind of all you ever know. Yeah. And then when I moved down here and I met Caitlin, like complete opposite. Yeah. Because they're like, very family oriented. Yeah, yeah. Her family got together for all the occasions. Mm. Like they'd go over to her great grandmother's. There would be like 25 people there. And I was like, is this normal? Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, complete opposite. And I love it. Yeah, well, I would say that about Caitlin, you know, and their family. That that shows love. Mm-hmm. That shows acceptance. They've all 
sinned, failed, done whatever, but they're a family and they love each other and they accept each other. And I think that's a beautiful thing having a family like that. And I really think that's the way families should be. Now there are toxic situations, drugs and all that. Some stuff you just can't allow. You have to have boundaries with that. Let that go more than that and all that. But, uh, but I think it's a beautiful thing, man. I love family get togethers and all that. It means a lot. Yeah, it does. Mm-hmm, it does. I wrote down anger. Uh, okay. A lot of men deal with anger. You talked about your dad and all that. You're, you know, he is not a isolated individual when it comes to anger and all no. that. I think men deal with that in general, especially assertive men and all that. It's just a common thing. Um, have you dealt with that in life? And is that something that, you know, is there any journey that you, you, you kind of healed from that and gotten better with managing that? I, I've never had an anger issue, mm-hmm. which is uh, weird mm-hmm. considering my childhood. But my dad has said that, like, his dad, like, dis- like punished him the same way he did us. Mm-hmm. So I guess he was just doing it because that's all he knew. Right. But uh, he's mentioned to my oldest brother that, like, I broke the mold. Like, that that tradition of punishment or discipline is not going to be carried on through me. Well, it takes a strong man and a strong person to do that, to break that cycle. Mm-hmm. And I think that's, uh, that's a beautiful thing. I think you should be proud that they say that, honestly. Yeah. Like I don't, I don't get mad at a lot of people Yeah, when I do get mad, like it does not last long, but yeah. it is, I can say some pretty mean things. Sure. Sure. Well, I think that's good. You know, don't let it carry on. We mentioned that early on in the podcast. Say what you need to say, John Mayer, quote, <laughs> uh, and then let it out and then be done. Mm-hmm. You know, what is what is the rumination sitting on that? What is that going to do for you, really? Um, it's just wasting your time, really. Yeah, it is. You can't control people. You're not going to change them. If what you say clearly, if they care about you, there will be changed behavior or mm-hmm. whatever else. They'll work with you on it, you know? Yeah. Um, and that's their choice to change it, but... Yeah, anger is uh, is something a lot of people deal with. That's pretty awesome that you don't. I think a lot of people in your situation would, like your brothers and all that, dealt with anger and everything. Yeah, I don't, I don't know why. I just some people like it feels the image it gives off is that I just don't care. Yeah, but I do. I just don't. You care, but you don't care. Yeah, it's <laughs> it's not enough to get me like like seething like mad. Sure, sure. Like, situations happen. Sometimes they can be prevented. Sometimes they can't. But like getting like furious over it, what's that going to accomplish? Good point. Good point. You're just going to say something to hurt somebody. And then that just causes another issue. And right. it just builds on top of it. Right. Yeah. It's weird how everybody's brain chemistry is different. Mm-hmm. You know, you'd even lot. And some people may logically even know that. But in the moment, the emotions overwhelming is so hard uh, to do. But that's a great thing that you keep that in check. I've had so many intrusive thoughts. Uh, we I don't even think we finished the story about the Virginia thing. <laughs> we <laughs> but, but we're going to get there. Going back to Virginia, you talked about your brothers again. Just mm-hmm. continue on what we're talking about. All right. So uh, one of my brothers made a bomb threat. My dad shipped him off to live with the grandparents in Oregon. Mm-hmm. I used to live in Oregon when I was little, mm-hmm. like when I was around two. Mm-hmm. My dad's parents lived out there, shipped him off there. Um, he came back. My other brother... Uh, was getting into trouble, so they shipped him off there. And when they shipped him off there, that's when I started making like my own friends mm-hmm. because that's the that's the one I was close with, Justin. And I started making my own friends, and they invited me to church in seventh grade. 
And um, we'll backtrack a second. My dad had taken us to church previously mm-hmm. because he was dating someone that went to church. So we got involved in like Wednesday night activities and I got saved in the fifth grade. But then I fell into that same hole that a lot of people fall into. There was no follow up. Like somebody helps lead you to Christ, but then nobody tells you what to do afterwards. That's right. And I think especially when you're younger, there needs to be a follow up. Mm -hmm. Like somebody needs to say, now that you've done this, these are your next steps. You should, first of all, you should still talk to somebody at the church about it. Mm-hmm. And so, like, I believe I actually got saved in the fifth grade, but I had no idea what to do. Mm. And then fast forward again, seventh grade, friends invited the church. And, like, then that was it. Like, I went to everything there. I rededicated. Um, we lived out in the middle of nowhere. So, like, I would ride my bike there. It was like eight miles like there and then eight miles back. Mm-hmm. Um, that's where I met my two best friends. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're still friends. Um, but I like did everything. Mm-hmm. Every Wednesday, went on mission trips. Well, Every- I got married. Uh, uh, I don't know why I said that. I got <laughs> saved. I got saved at a young age, mm-hmm. um, you know, when I was seven, eight years old. And some people would say, I mentioned on the podcast before, do you know what you're doing? You know, people that get saved at a young age and all that. Jesus in the Bible said, let the children, you know, come to me, uh, let them, you know, be saved and all that. Um, do you think that's a real thing that people understand what they're doing at a young age? Cause a lot of people I've talked to got saved in a young age, then 18, 19, 20, 21 rededicated their life to Christ. I think it's different for each person. Yeah. Um, everyone's brain works differently. Some people that young can actually grasp the situation, like mm-hmm. grasp the information. Sure. And then other people can't. Mm-hmm. Caitlin and I talked about that earlier this week with the whole war in Israel and everything. Mm-hmm. We're not going to get into that. Sure. But it comes out in a month, so I don't know the updates it'll be in a month. But. Yeah, but Caitlin asked, I mean, of, of course there's the talk of Armageddon. Sure. All that. And Caitlin asked, what happens to Lexi? And I said, I don't think it's like age of accountability. I don't think she's there. Right. So I'm at the moment, I'm 100% confident she's going to heaven Mm -hmm. because I don't think that she can grasp the actual, like the gravity, what's happening and all that. Like, I don't think that she can fully understand what it is to follow Christ. Sure. And, but everyone's different. Mm -hmm. Some people can get saved. I think he had some, now I lead a Bible study. And one of the kids in it said that he got saved when he was four. I mean, he truly believes he got saved when he was four. Yeah. I mean, if he could grasp it, that's great. But Lexi's four. She can't grasp it. Mm -hmm. So it's different for everybody. I think it is. It's an individual thing for sure. But I think you can't say you didn't mean it. That's a personal thing. You know, they Mm -hmm. have to say whether they meant it or not and, and whether they fully understood that. Yes. But, and they may fully understand it, but like I mentioned earlier, if there's no follow up, then how are they going to grow? Mm-hmm. Especially someone that's at a young age. Well, that's just, I think that's why big churches, you know, you kind of get lost in the, it's a lot of numbers and all that. And I'm not uh, shaming big churches and all that. They do incredible work. They do. Uh, but I think that's why kind of the rub, why people don't like them as much. Uh, Cause you kind of get lost in the crowd. Especially Southern Baptists. They're right. all about the numbers. Right. 
Right. I think uh, a lot of attendance. Yes. (laughs) I think the mindset's switching a little bit. It is. Um, It is. There's more follow up, but that's something I feel like as a church, every church as a whole, like we need to improve on. Well, I think I'm going to go in on Southern Baptist. You know, you can't conform to the world, but you have to be cognizant of what's happening in the world. Jesus went into the world, Mm -hmm. right? He was with the people, right? Um, I don't think a church should conform to the world, but you have to be somewhat appealing to people to come in. Yeah. And I don't think there needs to be extreme measures. The core needs to be the same, you know, admit to God you're a sinner, ABCs, all that, you know, believe in Christ and all that. But, um, but you need to understand, you know, what can bring people in and all that. That's what I tell people. Like there's a lot of people out there that you think would never come to church and then they do come and everyone shuns them. That's right. How are we going to reach a lost world if we're going to shun everybody that's different from us? Well, it's kind of human nature. Yeah. I think a lot of people do that. It's like, this is our clique. Like you have cliques at work mm-hmm. and all that. Uh, never understood that at all. I'm just nice to everybody, honestly. Yeah. But um, but that's human nature to do that. Like we're this is our tribe. This is our safe space. We don't allow people. And I'm somewhat, I've done something in high school, you know, similar to that where I was like, I think somebody wanted to join drumline or something. And I was like, this is our drumline, all this. But I think it's the same thing. Um, they kind of want that click. But in spirituality, saving somebody's life, is that really worth it? You know what I mean? To be mm-hmm. like that? I don't think so. I think we need to be, it says, love the person, not the sin. That's right. And if we're just going to condemn the sin and push that person away because of their sin, then what good are we doing? Why are we not being an example? Yeah. Right. You know, loving them through that. Mm-hmm. Um, just like I had Logan Johnson. You yes. Know, um, you know, he talked about homosexuality. You know, people, I've seen, uh, spoken to gay people, individuals, and they've said their parents threw them out the house and all that. What does that say about a Christian person doing that to somebody that just makes a choice? Mm-hmm. If you think it's wrong, right, whatever, who cares? Why are you treating somebody like that? That doesn't yeah. even make sense, you know? I mean, you don't have to support their lifestyle. Exactly. But you still support them as a person. Exactly. They're still a human being that has a soul that needs to be saved, just like we all are. And I think when you view it like that, it's like we said with arguments. We're fighting the argument. We're not fighting the person. Mm-hmm. Take that person out of it and deal with the issue at hand. But you can't change. I think Southern Baptist, too. I, I feel like I'm going in on Southern. I'm a Southern Baptist. <laughs> but it's like they it's very heavy handed, Mm -hmm. you know, if you make a mistake, you know, like we, we had people in youth group that got pregnant, you know, it's tough and they were treated differently. Uh, I know for a fact, and I just don't, I never understood it. You know, we all deal with something. Everybody deals with something. And so we can't focus on one sentence better than the other. But, uh, but I will say we are imperfect people. Mm -hmm. You know, we have a perfect savior that saves us and all that. But uh, and it's easy to go in on people, but we're all imperfect, you know. Because in God's eyes, I'm no better than that person. That's right. If I told a little white lie earlier in the day, I mean, in God's eyes, that's the exact same thing as that person's doing. Mm-hmm. Specking a plank, man. Mm-hmm. Looking at somebody else when you got got a big old plank in your own eye, it's a real thing. But and I'm not. I mean, I'm not going to say I don't judge people because I do. Sure. I want to put that out there as like I'm like this person, perfect person, because I'm not. I definitely judge people, but. Um, I still try to be inclusive. Well, biologically, we have alarms. It's to keep us safe, Mm -hmm. right? Back then, it's like we saw a a huge elephant wanting to stomp us to death, and we were like, that's danger. 
And so over time, I think as we've evolved, we people's like the way children are raised, let's say the whatever, like say specific things about this is danger. This is not. So your mind is there. Right. Mm-hmm. And I think it's it's just that way that we've grown to, to be that way. But you have to kind of separate that as we age. We get rid of ignorance. You know, we understand what is right and what is wrong and all that. But, yeah. But I think it is human nature to be that way. But that's something we have to fight for sure. For sure. Um, Let's finish up the Virginia story. Now. Virginia story. All right. So started going to church, uh, did everything there. Um, then when I got out of high school, I always said I would never do like drugs drink or anything when i got out of high school i started drinking some tried a couple drugs luckily that phase of my life only lasted like six months could have been a lot longer Mm -hmm. um especially with like the addiction in my family what did you use do you mind going in on that uh i mean i smoked marijuana Mm -hmm. i tried mushrooms Mm -hmm. terrible experience would Mm -hmm. not recommend anybody Mm -hmm. um but after like six months, I was like, what, what am I doing? Right. Like this is, this is not who I am. So, I mean, I moved away, um, actually moved in with my mom. She had already stopped doing all that stuff. And then I was lived with her for about a year. Then I moved back and I started helping out with the youth again. And then, um, like I said, my youth pastor and a youth pastor down here, mm-hmm. Came down, got a job, and just didn't go back for like six months. And then after we went, I went back then, I didn't go back for like two years. So why did you move down here? You said just change the scenery. Yeah. And then like my brother kind of, the one I was really close to, kind of followed me around a little bit. Mm. And I mean, I just didn't want to get caught up in it. Mm. So I just made the choice. Made the choice. I'm just, I knew no none of them were going to follow me 460 miles. Sure. Um, so it was far enough away. I could distance myself, but still have a relationship with them. So, and how old were you at that time when you moved down? Uh, 21. Mm. I'm thinking about my life at 21, man. Um, I don't know if I'll be strong enough to do that. That shows a lot of strength for you to be able to do that, man. I knew two people when I moved down here. Mm. That was it. Yeah. And then eventually they moved away. Uh, the, he got a different job in Kentucky. He moved away. And I mean, I help out with the youth now. I was a youth pastor for a little while at a smaller church here. Um, I didn't know that. Yeah. And then, uh, went back to the church right now, Southside Baptist. And I just, I help out with the youth. Mm, that's awesome, man. Yeah. Well, thanks for sharing that story. That's super cool. You talked about your faith. Kind of go deep dive in there. You talked about when you got saved. What has mm-hmm. your faith journey been like? Uh, and how has God uh, shaped your life? Uh, I think he's, the, I feel like he's the main reason I like turned out the way I did. Mm-hmm. Like no anger, or resentment towards any of the situations I was in when I was little. Um, but yeah, when I started going to church in seventh grade, I mean, I was, like I said, I was there for everything. Um, every event, uh, every church camp, the mission trips we went on. Um, I even, we had an event one time all nighter. We played deal or no deal, won $750 oh, wow. spending on a mission trip. Wow. So, and I bought an iPod, mm-hmm. throw that in there. I didn't spend all of it on the mission trip, yeah, yeah, but it paid cool. for a mission trip. Mm-hmm. And I mean, that's, that's all I wanted to do mm-hmm. was 
do go to church, hang out with friends, um, go on the trips. I mean, that, that was my life. And then after high school, uh, like all that freedom, like it just kind of goes to your head. No more responsibility, really. I didn't go to college. Um, so, but then after that six months, I just realized like, I got, God helped me through all of that just so I can end up doing this. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't think that's, I don't think that's the path he has for me. Mm-hmm. So got back on track. Uh, real, I mean, if there's ups and downs in like everyone's like faith, but I feel, really feel like those six months were the worst ones in mine. Mm-hmm. But I think everybody has that time. Yes. Everybody has a time. But I think looking back at those times, you're like, thank God he pulled me through that. Mm-hmm. You know, thank God he got me through. Um, that's with a lot of things in life. I think you can look back and you're like, God had his hand there. He was even when I was, you know, astray. He had his hand on me, protecting me through that time. Because when I moved down here, like. I don't know if I was really following God's will, mm-hmm. like I just knew I wanted to get away, but I feel like. Like he definitely opened the doors because mm-hmm. um, I had a place to stay when I came down here. And then I got one of the jobs I applied for. I actually got both of them, but I turned the other one down. Right. And like, wouldn't say smooth sailing, but I mean, there hasn't really been any bumps along the way. Mm-hmm. But I definitely feel like it was like the plan that God had for me. Mm-hmm. And I feel like you just got to be open. That's it. Got to get out of your comfort zone. That's it. Well, comfort's going to destroy you ultimately. You mm. got to a little bit. Yeah. Um, and I think God isn't calling you to be comfortable. God's calling us to be extraordinary. Mm-hmm. Go out there, do the things that not everybody else can do that don't want to do. Uh, we're called to be uncomfortable and be in uncomfortable situations, and it's all for his glory. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you talked about church life moving down here. So were you involved in the church like when you moved down with the pastor and all that, or what was that like? Like up there? Or down when you moved down here. Oh yeah, I was. Uh, I still helped out with the youth when I moved down here. Mm-hmm. Um, then, uh, Caitlin and I got together, and then we got married. Mm-hmm. So I stopped helping as much because we started going to like the married couples class and all that. We yeah. got a little more involved there, but not long after we got married is when I became a youth pastor at that other church. Okay, and. It was probably not the best decision. Okay. Um, it happens. Well, let me ask this question. You can follow up on okay. and say what you want to about that. But my brother, I don't think you would care if I said this, but he, for a time, was going to be a minister. Yeah. Uh, he, he wanted to do that. It decided to be a teacher, go back and do all that. Uh, and that was his path and his journey. But he saw behind the scenes of ministry. Mm-hmm. He saw it from the front, you know, and was like, this is something I really want to do. And then got behind the scenes and was like, this isn't for me. Was that kind of an experience for you? Or what was that experience like to be in the ministry? Uh, a little bit. Um, it was not the best situation at the church. Um, going into it, like definitely like they definitely put like the shiny coat on the outside. Mm -hmm. So going into it, like I didn't actually see behind the scenes that much, but then we get there and it was just not a good situation. Um, it definitely put a lot of strain on like the marriage. Um, but we got through it, uh, and I like we decided, like, I'm called to like minister to youth, but not actually be a pastor. Mm-hmm. Like, I feel like my main spiritual gift is like serving, 
Yeah. So that's what I'm going to do. Well, we all have spiritual gifts and they're all different. You mm-hmm. don't have to be a pastor to minister. No, not you, at know, all. you don't have to be a minister. It's right outside the back door. Like I'm a provider, mm-hmm. a nurse practitioner, a clinician. I minister to people every day, all day, you yeah. know, speak life into them, help them through tough situations, help them take control of their health. Um, and I find joy in doing that. I think as a Christian, that's what you really need to kind of search for, especially being a young adult and all that. Find something where God is placing you where you get joy out of that, just like um, with you doing that and ministering to people and all that. I think that's really, really important. Yeah. So, yeah. But behind the scenes, a bit different. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that's with anything. I mean, any job on the front, like people say, oh, you're a doctor of nursing practice. Like you do all this stuff. But there's a lot of stuff behind the scenes you got to deal with and all that, too. But I think you got to find something you wouldn't trade it. Yes. You, you the, the bad is okay to deal with because the good is so great. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But uh, I feel like pastors, their wives have to be called too. Oh, yeah. And Caitlin would admit it. She does not feel like she was called to be a pastor's wife. And once we talked about it, like then my call wasn't to be a pastor. It was to just serve. Mm-hmm. Let me say this, uh, I had a story, Dr. John Deloney, I'll put a link to his stuff. I've been mean to forever in the description. He has two doctorates in psychology and psychotherapy and all this stuff, wrote a bunch of books. I'll link his books below, but there was a situation of a woman and a man married couple in a foreign country, a church sent them there to minister and all that. And the woman was miserable. Like he was there doing his thing, but she, she told her husband, I can't do this anymore. And he said, this is what God called us to do. You're going to do this, blah, blah, blah. You said your situation, your wife was like, look, this isn't that. You kind of followed her lead. Do you think it's like that? Like, you know, because Dr. Deloney, he talked about what if you're what if God's speaking through your wife to tell you, hey, this isn't this isn't the best situation for us. I mean, uh, the guy should be the spiritual leader in the household. Sure. That's what it says. But I mean, that doesn't mean you just walk all over. That's right. Like, you're not the absolute authority in your household. Like. God gave you a spouse for a reason. Mm-hmm. Like you're supposed to talk through, you're supposed to talk through things. And if I didn't listen to her, then I mean, where would we be now? Mm-hmm. I mean, God definitely uses the husband and the wife. Mm-hmm. And sometimes the wife is the one that God speaks through. That's right. Well, man wasn't good enough alone. Yeah. You know, I think people and people say, submit to me and say all this stuff, you know, Man wasn't good enough alone. And that, that is true. A woman's supposed to submit, but is a man loving his wife, like, you know, love the church and all that? There's, there's a lot of scripture behind that. But I think that's very true. The man is the leader, but man isn't good enough by himself sometimes. Yeah. I think there's a reason the wife is there. Because if I hadn't been married, I probably would have, like, stuck it out. Yeah. Because that's just me. Well, I think that's a that's unique for a woman is their vision, their perspective. Um, I think men see things pretty clearly and all that. But having a good, godly woman in your life to speak life into you and say, I see this in a constructive, respectful way. Mm-hmm. Uh, to say, I see this as a roadblock. I see this as something that could potentially, that's a beautiful thing to me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it definitely, it, it worked out. Mm-hmm. Um, so church up north versus down south. I want to kind of touch on that. Uh, differences, what are your thoughts? Uh, uh, up, I mean... Up there was all about numbers too, because we were still part of the Southern Southern Baptist. Mm-hmm. People think Virginia's in the north, but I mean it's it's in the south. That's true. 
It's right there on the line, but it's in the South. Mm-hmm. Um, there wasn't much difference from the church I went to. Now the church that I got saved at was a huge church, like thousands of members. Oh, wow. Yeah. Like it was like, you could get lost in there. Church I go to now is big, but I mean, church I go to now, you probably fit three or four of those in the one in Virginia I went to or I got saved. Wow. Um, so there was a bit different because, I mean, it was so big. Mm-hmm. You, you couldn't get to know that many people. Um, and then the one I started going to in the seventh grade was smaller, but it grew while I was there. When I started going, they were still in like their original building, but only like seated like 150 people. And then by like my freshman year, they had already built like a new building. Mm-hmm. like that could seat like 400, 500 people. And even since I moved down here, they're still growing. They've opened two new, like, uh, like campuses mm-hmm. in different locations. So, I mean, they're doing something right. I also think it helps that their pastor has been there for like 18, 20 years. Yeah. You don't see that that often. You Not anymore. The no. average I've, I mean, I've talked to several pastors and the average length, any sort of pastor stays at a church is five to six years. Mm-hmm. And I feel like at the moment it might be a little bit lower. Yeah. It might be like three or four years. Well, we see that with jobs, mm-hmm. people working jobs. My dad worked UPS for 42 years. You know, my granddad was good year for 40 something, 50 years. You don't see that anymore. No. Uh, but when you're there for 18, 20 years, that's a lot of relationships you can build. Yeah. That's a lot of, uh, it's a lot of different like avenues you can like explore because you have connections. That's right. And so I feel like, I don't know, I don't, I won't use names, but congregate, the way congregations treat pastors that they don't like Mm. is what I feel like drives them away. Mm -hmm. Um, first of all, if God didn't call that pastor to your church, then why didn't you all vote yes for him? Good point. Because, I mean, it's just not like five or six people that just hire a pastor. Like, they come and preach, and then, like, the whole, everyone that's a member, they vote. Mm-hmm. So, if you guys didn't like him, then why'd you vote him in? Mm-hmm. And if he is there, don't talk bad about him the entire time they're there. Try to help him. Mm-hmm. I mean, honestly, the congregation, Sadly, the congregation is what is not everybody, but some people in the congregation can be what makes or breaks a ministry at a church. Absolutely. Well, you look at an individual, if they're not wanted, they're going to leave. Yes. You know, that's just anywhere. That's mm-hmm. at a workplace. If there's bullying involved, you're going to get out of there. Um, you know, even at presidential, you know, a lot of people with our current president and all that, I'm not going to get too political. Some people go in, I'm not going to go in that much, but. You know, we are people voted that president in, whether we like it or not. We're supposed to respect and revere him and honor him, whether we agree or not, whatever. Um, I think there's a point, there's a line, you know, to certain things. But overall, that's the leader. Uh, mm-hmm. And so I think the church is the same way. There are some situations just like we don't believe in divorce, but there are certain situations yes. that warrant that and all that. Maybe there is, but there is a lot of nitpicking. I feel like it is. I went all in on Southern Baptist, dude. <laughs> but I'm just being honest. I grew up in it, so I feel like I can vouch for that. But it is the Southern Baptist way. I think that they're so um, they're so caught up in traditions yes. and how things have always been the same way 
that they don't want it to change. But what did God do? Jesus yeah. sent his son to come down here and say, all you people that are doing all these laws and say you're so good and all that, you know, he said, you can keep all this stuff, but if you don't have, you know, Jesus in your heart, it doesn't matter, you know? And so that they were so obsessed with that at that time, you know, before Jesus came. And sadly, you have to do bigger things now to get people to come. Yep. Um, that's just the world we live in. There's yeah. so many different things grabbing their attention. You got to be able to grab their attention long enough to be like, hey, what's going on there? Well, we talked about it earlier. You know, you don't conform to the world, but you have to realize what, what is happening in the world. Mm -hmm. You know, you don't conform to it, but you try to figure out, okay, this is trend, trend whatever. You just got to find a way to get people in. The old traditional way just doesn't really appeal to many. You're going to have a lot of old people there, but as far as getting youth, young adults, all that, you've got to do more. Yeah, like... I'm not a big him guy. Like, I am huge him guy. <laughs> like I, I like contemporary Christian music. Sure. I feel like it's definitely gotten better. Yeah. Cause like before they were like 20 years behind. Yeah. Like it was like listening to 2000. It felt like you were listening to like 1980. Right. Like they were really behind. I feel like it's really like progressed mm -hmm. and a lot of people just aren't younger. People aren't him people anymore. Right. And so the music should not dictate whether you're going to hear God's word at a church or not, but sadly it does. Well, church isn't for you. Yes. That's the key. I think, and you need to be somewhere where you're comfortable, where God is calling you to be, where you can worship peacefully and all mm -hmm. that. I'm not saying that, but church is for God. Yeah. You know, you're there to worship God. And a lot of people make church the experience. I want to see what I can get out of it. Well, church isn't for you. Mm -hmm. It's not, you're, you're there to worship God. You're not there for yourself. You know? Yeah. But, and sadly, a lot of people are not going to come if they're singing a lot of hymns. That's right. Which shouldn't be that way. See, I'm, I'm the opposite, man. I don't know why I love hymns. I oh, love them, man. See, Caitlin, I could break that hymn book up and then just sing away, man. Caitlin loves hymns. Like, yeah. we're opposite there. Yeah. Um, But her thing is, a lot of worship music now is re repetitive. Yes. They say the same line 20, 30 times in a song. That's right. She doesn't like it. Now, now it, biblically, they did that, though. Mm -hmm. You know, they did sing that way. But, I mean, if we still say that, sang the same songs they sang back right after Jesus died, like, that just would not get people in our church nowadays. Sure. So, your church has to grow in traditions, and you have to break the mold in order to attract the people of the world now. Sure. Because well, every, everything's changing. Well, the church I go to now, it's kind of like a mix. Mm -hmm. They'll throw a hymn or two in there. It's a lot of contemporary. Kind of get a mix of all of it. Yeah. Make, make everybody included. Make it to where everybody feels, feels at home, mm -hmm. you know. And again, it still ain't about you. But I think the experience can be better, you know, than the, it's just the Southern Baptist tradition is tough. I think it needs to grow in that sense. Yes, I agree. Mm -hmm. Definitely got some growing there. Yeah. But not much difference up there and down here. Mm -hmm. We like to eat our food. We get out before the Methodists. That's it. That's <laughs> always the key. Got to get to that Mexican restaurant. Yeah. Uh, I, I wrote this down, and we talked about college earlier, and I was going to say it, but we ran a rabbit. Um, is college important? You did not go to college. It depends on. Or did you? I did not. Okay. No. Okay. So you didn't go to college. I had my doctorate degree. We're kind of on opposite, mm -hmm. complete opposite spectrums. Do you feel like college is important? What are your thoughts? 
Uh, I mean, I might have t- I've took a couple classes, but it, it just wasn't for me. Sure. And it all depends on what you want to do. I mean, you can get a high paying job by not getting your doctorate. Sure. Um, there's trade schools. Sometimes you don't even need, need to go to trade school. Mm-hmm. If you get a job with an electrician and like you work with him, I mean, the that's apprenticeship. Pre- yes. Yeah. So I think it all depends on what you want to do. Now, I think there's just so much money wasted. People are getting college degrees and whatever else. My children, what I would tell them, which this is going to be in 20 years. Mm-hmm. Who knows what's going to happen then? Um, but make sure that you have an end goal after you graduate. Yeah. Like nursing, like whatever else. You have something that is taking you into a job, right? Um, that That's what I would kind of recommend with college. Because one of my best friends, he got his graphic design degree. Mm-hmm. He doesn't do that. Yeah. Now he works at a uh, tire plant and he took like a three month, four month course on industrial maintenance. Yeah. And he's making like 90,000 a year. Mm-hmm. So it all, it all depends on what you want to do. Does he still have debt? Do you know from that college degree? I don't think he does. Yeah. Yeah. He probably paid it off making his 90 grand. Yeah. But that's the thing. Um, Man, debt, it just puts you in such a hole. And if you think about marriage, kids, and all that, you accumulate all that student debt, that's a heavy weight, man. Then you get a house, you get a car. It it, it adds See, up quick. Before, like I said, we had a lot of financial stuff come up this year. The only debt we had our, was our house. Wow. And now we have a car payment, a couple medical bills, mm-hmm. and it's honestly not that much, but we're used to not having debt. That's right. So it feels like it's like a weight. That's right. That's right. Well, Dr. Deloney, I mentioned him earlier. He talks about that, how to live a less anxious life. Uh, again, I'll put his stuff in the description. Incredible. I watch his YouTube channel like mm-hmm. every day. But he talks about that. Eliminate all the factors in your life possible. Now, some situations come up. You have to have debt for a short time and all that. But uh, but debt is a huge burden, man. Some people can't sleep at night. You know, they owe money to everybody else. Mm-hmm. I think to have the most peaceful uh, life that you possibly can is owe the least amount of money to, to anybody. Yeah. You know? And it's biblical, mm-hmm. uh, you know, not to be, ins- you're enslaved yeah. to, to these debtors, you know, people that you owe money to. Is that shiny car worth it? It depends. And I think it depends on how much you make annually, scale and all that. Because like $500 a month to somebody making like half a million a year, that's nothing, yeah. right? So it just depends. You got to kind of look at it that way and scale it in your mind. Is this worth it and all that? When like, we definitely make the the least amount annually mm-hmm. compared to like our friends and everything, which doesn't matter. No, it doesn't matter. But it's, it's just interesting to see how different people like manage their money. It is. It but is. Even when we got married, we didn't have any debt. Mm-hmm. You yeah. know, some people go into debt to have a wedding. Oh no. $30,000 starting a marriage out in debt. Like why? I, I think altogether ours was like less than 6,000. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it's amazing, man. Yeah. But it's the times, man. Instagram, you got to keep up. Mm-hmm. I feel like we could go in for hours on that. But man, this has been awesome. Uh, really, really enjoyed it. We're wrapping it up. We're already an hour, 30 minutes in. Oh, really? Did you know that? Yeah. I did yeah. Not. And we're going to, we're going to look at the phones in a minute and see, uh, see what happened with that. If you watch the podcast in the middle, we'll see what comes up. Um, I end with this five, 10, 20 year plan. So five years from now, Do you see your life any different? Where do you see yourself and your family five years from now? Uh, Hopefully out of debt. Um, Hopefully we only have the the house payment. 
Um, hopefully the cookie business has grown. Um, oh, it will. Uh, job stability with FedEx is a little rocky at the moment. They're going through some different like transitions. Mm-hmm. Hopefully I'm still there. Mm-hmm. Um, in order to quit FedEx, I got to sell a thousand of these a month or a week. Oh, wait, a thousand. Okay. And that's a lot of cookies. That is a lot of cookies. Yeah. Got to buy some more ovens. <laughs> <laughs> At least another one. Yeah. Um, 10 years. Uh, hopefully we have that most of the house paid off. Mm-hmm. That That's our main goal. That's all we want to do at the moment is just pay off the house as fast as we can. I'm going to pause you right there. Do you make one or two house payments a month? Uh, we make one. Uh, we need, we've talked about making the two cause it saves on interest on interest. Yes. Um, well not even increasing the amount. So, uh, a little education for people. If you make a house payment, 30 year fixed rate mortgage, if you cut your, so it's a thousand a month, mm-hmm. a house is a thousand a month. If you make two $500 payments a month, it's a 22 year mortgage. Yes. Instantly. And because interest accrues daily. Mm-hmm. So even if you don't understand the math, if you're a home listening, uh, pay your mortgage twice a month, just cut the payment in half. You're going to cut off like eight years off the mortgage. Yeah. We've already cut off like, I think five because mm-hmm. we made a lot of, we've been in our house for two years now. And like the first year we made a lot of extra payments towards mm-hmm. the principal. Mm-hmm. And then the financial stuff happened this year. So we haven't been able to make any extra payments this year. But once we pay all the debt off, all of the money is going to go towards extra payments again. Mm-hmm. Um, if we still do those payments after we pay this off, we could have it paid off in 18 years. Yeah. Which would only be a 20, uh, 20 year mortgage, mm-hmm. which is not bad. Yeah. Um, hopefully we can still get it cut down though. Mm-hmm. And then 20 years, just house paid off. Well, Lexi will be out of the house. Yeah. She'll be 24. Um, kind of hard to picture. I'm yes. Sure. Um, hopefully she's found a guy to get married to. Mm-hmm. It's going to be a tough process, Ooh, but we'll get there. There's a good man out there, man. Yeah. Not, not many left. Um, if you got a good one, ladies. Hold on to them. That's all I'm going to say. Yeah. Don't um, squander it. We don't really have a lot of big plans. Um, our only plan is to pay the house off and then live life after that. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'd like to travel some when we get older, but I mean, that's, we'll cross that bridge when we get there. Sounds like a simple life, man. A lot of people would say that's boring or whatever else. I'm kind of in a similar boat, man. I want to enjoy things, but like some people have to travel every month and all that. I just, I like a simple life, man. Uh We've, since Lexi's been born, uh, we've gone on one trip a year, really. Mm-hmm. And it's really only Wednesday to Saturday. We go to Gatlinburg in October. Um, so it's really like only four days. No kids? No, we take her. Okay. Yeah. Um, she loves it. Mm-hmm. And the only thing she, there's at the island at Pigeon Forge, there's this one ride for kids where it's like the Dumbo ride at Disney World. Mm-hmm. It's just these frogs that go up and down and spin. And she, that's all she looks forward to wow. every year. She's simple. <laughs> yeah. Like us. Um, but no, traveling, I mean we're we're not big on traveling. Yeah. Like yeah. the mission trip I'm gonna go on, that's the first plane ride I've ever been on. Oh wow. Yeah. So the farthest I've ever been is to Disney World. Mm-hmm. So I've done a lot of traveling. Hawaii, Alaska, uh, Paris, France. Um actually I haven't talked about that before. I saw the the gravesite of D-Day, all the crosses, oh. 
as far as you could see, very moving, man. Um, all the American soldiers that that died just so we could sit here, mm -hmm. so I could have a plot of land, so I can breathe and eat. I mean, sacrifice their life, man, just like the ultimate sacrifice that Jesus did. It's it's it, when you really just sit and reflect on that, it's breathtaking. I will say this: if if there's a soldier in your life, thank him, man. Yeah, thank him. I don't think we thank them enough mm -mm. for sure. For sure. But anyway, cool, man. I've really enjoyed this. Me too. This is awesome. We dove in on pretty much all the good topics, knocked everything out. Guys, thank you so much for watching the podcast, The Better Man, with Dr. Jared Nelson. That's me, your boy. We are on YouTube. Like, comment, subscribe to the channel. Hit the notification bell. You're going to get every single video and the shorts that I post on this channel sent directly to you. We are on every single audio podcast platform. Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, Spotify. Give us that five-star rating because we give five-star service. Thanks for watching. Until the next one, peace.